Hello, I'm Jennifer Grossman uh, with the Atlas Society and welcome to our I've Lost Count edition of Ask the Atlas Society. I'm really thrilled to have with me uh, Emma Michelle, and she is a spokeswoman for Young Americans for Liberty and also has had a storied career at Campus Reform and uh, on various avenues of student activism. So welcome, Emma. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's great to be doing one of these talks with you. I love these. So tell me what's going on with, uh, with you guys. What are, what are you doing? What are some of the challenges you're facing and what's happening with you personally? Yeah, well, Young Americans for Liberty has been adapting in every way we can to keep up with our mission and continue to spread liberty both on campus and as far as our legislative races go in light of this pandemic and all the ways that the government is making it impossible for us or trying at least to make it impossible for us to keep going so this means that we've had a lot of students phone banking for candidates rather than knocking doors we just um, we just started on a new project to endorse 14 candidates in the state of idaho and most of that work will be done through um, phone banking and through texting. So we're really excited about these changes. Um, it's a great test of how we're able to adapt in tricky times. Um, something else that's exciting we have around the corner is in August, we're doing our premier conference. We're calling it our Super Bowl of YAL conferences. It's called Mobilize 2020. And we have room for about a thousand students, maybe give or take a little bit there. And we have already in the first week of opening up applications received a thousand of those. So we are uh, we're very excited about the return that we've seen there and just so excited and thrilled to get all those students in the same room and see the incredible things that happen when that's done. Well, um, Cliff has his, his message, Cliff Maloney, his message right at this time has been so clear, so consistent, so courageous and um, Young Americans for Liberty has been a wonderful partner for the Atlas Society because there's, a, I think, a real alignment in terms of um, their appreciation of, of philosophy and first principles. So mm -hmm. this is a great opportunity to fire away. Yes, absolutely. We, we love the work that you guys do at the Atlas Society and supplying students with such a solid understanding of these first principles and of things like objectivism, which a lot of times they're not learning in college, unfortunately, or it's being painted in a very negative light. So the feeling is mutual. We, we really appreciate your guys' work. And I, I would love to be able to ask you a bit, um, maybe for some advice we could start off with, um, you know, we're talking about our students who are having to approach their activism and approach these issues in a way that they've never done before. Uh, whether that's through technology or whether it's through, you know, mobilizing their community to push back on big government overreach in, in light of this pandemic. How do you think objectivism could be applied in this scenario specific to students and people who are trying to make a difference? Um, great question. Ayn Rand, when she was asked to sum up objectivism while standing on one foot, uh, started with metaphysics, reality, objective reality exists, epistemology, reason, ethics, rational self-interest, and against the principle of altruism and self-sacrifice, politics, laissez-faire capitalism, and aesthetics, romanticism. And um, the most revolutionary aspect of 
her philosophy, the most challenging and controversial was her ethics, uh, which essentially rejected the idea that man was um, a sacrificial animal, that a man and a woman um, were ends in and of themselves and that they had a, uh, a moral right and indeed a moral duty to pursue their, their own happiness uh, as, their, as their noblest goal in life mm -hmm. um, through productive activity as their noblest activity. And um, right now, I think what we're seeing is um, a sacrifice uh, <laughs> on a grand scale. And it's a sacrifice of, of your generation and your future um, in, in multiple ways. And um, really the only way to fight back against that in a very um, moral way is to start by, by rejecting the concept um, of, of sacrifice. So how is that happening? Well, with the massive uh, stimulus spending, um, also all of the printing of money, um, the, the taxation, which is sure to come, uh, those are how spending gets paid for. Um, so when it comes to the, uh, the taxation, um, you may be in a low tax bracket now, but um, I've been to a few Yale conferences and yeah. I've seen the professionalism of uh, the people who attend, the kind, the caliber of the people who are attracted to the organization. Uh, and so when I look at those people, my bet, you know, would be that those are the, the individuals that are more likely to, uh, to succeed in life. They, they, they mm -hmm. have the character, character traits, they have the training, they're getting the experience that is going to set them up for success. Um, so, but, but what we're seeing in terms of a, um, a political ideology based on uh, altruism, socialism essentially will say that you will be punished for your, right. for your virtues, you'll be punished for your success. Um, so, uh, so the fact that you have probably a disproportionate number of young people who are going to become financially successful, that's something that, that you guys need to worry about. Um, but, yeah. but even so, you know, look, I, I know that's another thing Yale and Atlas Society share. Everyone who works at Yale, who works at Atlas Society, we're not doing it, you know, for the money. Uh, we're doing it because right. it's, it's a passion, it's a calling, mm -hmm. you know, our uh, remuneration is in the psychic benefits of, of pursuing a meaningful career and helping other people. Um, so let, let's say you, that you know you're going to be having a career at um, at Yale or at Atlas Society, or you're going to be doing something else, or you don't necessarily have um, the skill set, or, or you don't make the life choices that's going to translate into um, a high income later in life. Uh, mm -hmm. All of this, um, this, this printing of money, the, the inflation that this has historically produced is going to nudge you, nudge, you know, the middle class uh, into higher tax brackets. So they're going to, you know, get you one way or another. So, um, so whether it's taxation or whether it's the printing of money and the, and the inflation, um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, the obvious one, which is, is, is the debt is the other way that that yeah. uh, kind of spending can get paid for. So yeah. um, this, you know, Ayn Rand talked about uh, you can evade reality, but you can't evade the consequences of, of evading reality. 
Well, when the yeah. repo men comes to call on that credit card, they're not coming. They're not going to be coming from for me. They're they're going to be coming for for your generation. So, yeah. um, I facetiously sometimes say to to student groups, you know, thank you. Um, but of course, <laughs> I'm not thanking you. I don't mean it as a compliment because it's not a yeah. voluntary that you're making. Yeah. I, I think that's all very applicable, especially you talk about the students that work for Yale and that are involved in what we're doing. Uh, these are just highly motivated young people. In general, they tend to be very, um, very ambitious and they're building businesses even while still in college a lot of times and finding just incredible success for their age. And it's something where I think they become aware of the dangers of that high taxation and of going into more debt as a country. I think they feel those things a lot younger than most people would have those realizations because they're starting to experience that. And that, that rational self-interest that you're talking about is such a good thing for them and such a positive thing that I really think ought to be more celebrated and rewarded in our culture. Um, but you touched on something interesting that I also wanted to ask you about with this, this bailout or stimulus package. Few people are calling it different names these days. Um, I would just be so curious to hear what you think as the, the resident Ayn Rand expert, what she would have to say about, you know, the government coming in, shutting down our free market system, essentially. Um, shutting down society and our ability to really interact with each other as humans, and then coming back with this, you know, proposed solution of giving everybody 1200 bucks and giving corporations a bunch of money as well. So I just, what do you think she would have to say about that? I, I don't, I don't imagine they would be too kind of words. <laughs> um, yes. Well, uh, she did have something to say about it. She, she talked about how, uh, I mean, it, in Atlas Shrugged and in her writing, she talked about mm -hmm. the dangers of fast approaching this ultimate inversion where the government can do whatever it wants and that there are no limitations on uh, the authoritarian powers of government, but that individuals can act only by permission. And she paints mm -hmm. a very dark picture in terms of what the, the consequences are of that. She also, of course, one of my favorite, uh, and this should be a mantra, we should always ask it, and, um, and that was paid for by whom, right? Yes. And that's what we were discussing before, that this is, going, that this is the tab for this is going to be forcibly foisted on your generation. Mm -hmm. um, but I would also say that she uh, was not, was not an anarchist and you know I, I, I we have a big tent here and I know that there's libertarians and there's all different conservatives and, and, and different mm -hmm. um, points of view and and different kind of ideologic ideologies within within our alliance and, and within our coalition yeah. um, and she wasn't an anarchist and, and she did in fact talk about quarantine and she, she talked about when there was a, uh, a virus or an infection or a contagion or a disease for which there was no known cure, that, that it was appropriate at times to enforce quarantine um, in order to protect lives of individuals. Uh, mm -hmm. But of course, she more than anyone else uh, was extremely skeptical of um, government abuses. She came out of 
totalitarian Russia, and she saw yeah. uh, all of the abuses. She saw her own family's business taken away um, in the name of, of the greater good, in the name of her brothers. Uh, and so she always saw that uh, the greatest government abuses were often advanced in the names of benevolent or so-called benevolent um, motivations, and she urged us to be skeptical of that. And then, but finally, at the same time, you know, I, I think that she, in her, um, in Atlas Shrugged, uh, well, one of the things that was so unique about it was that she, she, she wasn't celebrating business as a, as a concept necessarily, yeah. or businessmen as a group. She was celebrating creative individuals. Um, yeah. She was celebrating entrepreneurs, whether they were composers or whether they, you know, were financiers or, or whether they were coming up with new metals or whether they were finding mm -hmm. new ways to run railroads. So, um, so she would probably also, uh, I hope, uh, I think we should, uh, as objectivists and open objectivists, be um, also having a, a certain amount of da data-driven optimism. Uh, a yeah. lot of the people that I am looking at right now and that I am watching, like uh, Peter Diamandis, um, who's a huge Ayn Rand fan, uh, he's had a wonderful leading voice in terms of, yes, I mean, in some ways it is the worst of times, but in some ways it is also the best of times because we yeah. are in like, no other time in history. I mean, imagine if this had happened to us just 10 years ago, not just, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 20 years ago, but a completely different time. We have so many great, brilliant scientists entrepreneurs, doctors, who are all working yeah. on this, all focused on solving this one problem, and they're sharing information at light speed. So um, we are uh, finding ways we have the resources to adapt. We're able to find community to, to transact, to share ideas uh, mm -hmm. over these new technological platforms. And um, I think that's something to note and to remember where did those things come from? They didn't come from government. They didn't fall out of the sky. They weren't, you know, found yeah. objects. They were, they were things that were created by individuals. And so, uh, you know, it's very easy, in, it, you know, when we're locked inside to kind of give way to a sense of despair and yeah. panic and fear. Um, but those are not good for your immunity and they're also not good for rational decision making. So I, I do yeah. think that... Um, remembering the reasons that we have to be grateful is important in order to try to think through this rationally. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you in what you were saying about the fact that we do live in a free society and in a nation that so values achievement and self-interest at the core of it. That's the reason why we have all of these top doctors and top creative individuals who are coming up with solutions to these problems. And that actually leads me into the next thing that I wanted to ask you about. We're looking at some really specific issues right now in, in the supply chain and in our ability to produce products that are much needed at this moment. The best example being the respirators and masks. Um, also looking at some issues in, in labor supply where we don't have enough people who are, um, who are delivering groceries through services like Instacart. Um, various grocery delivery services that are very much in demand right now. And I would be curious to hear your thoughts on how objectivism could potentially pose some solutions to these issues, um, given that it's, it is such an embrace of the free market and, and such a thing that tends to really help with these things. 
Um, well, one thing is to remember that uh, red tape, which is often uh, imposed in the name of safety and the, imposed in the name of we are trying to, to help you, uh, always has unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been extremely encouraged by the speed with which um, private sector has, has leapt forward and tried to, to respond. But in, in too many cases, uh, there have been regulations that have hampered um, that kind mm -hmm. of private sector response, you know, like, oh, you can't have this kind of um, perishable in the same truck as alcohol. And so, mm -hmm. um, so we do have an opportunity to, to cut through some of those, those uh, red tape um, regulations that, that have been problematic. Um, I think we also need to take note of, um, of reason as a primary mm -hmm. value. Um, and you can see where have the scientists come, they've come to the United States. Um, yeah. You look at another country uh, where um, that's been hit particularly hard and that's Iran. Uh, and what yeah. kind of um, metaphysics and what kind of epistemology do they, do they have in Iran? Um, what kind of politics do they have? They have a, a, the, um, a mysticism and a, and a religious authoritarianism that all of the best medical minds and scientific minds mm -hmm. fled from and now is even limiting uh, the, um, the ability of the best and the brightest to come forward because of the religious subjugation of women in that country. So I'm not sure if that answered yeah. your question, but yeah. um, I, you know, I think the, the, the other thing that, that, I, that I see um, is that, you know, sometimes the best uh, businesses and the best breakthroughs can come through in a crisis because, you know, you may have had that job that you were in because it paid a, um, a good income and, you know, you create stability. Well, yeah. you know, when that job is no longer there and, uh, and, and you've been let go because the money has run out at that mm -hmm. small business where you were working, that's a horrible experience. I know personally, I've, I've been through it. I've, you know, mm -hmm. been through economic disruptions. I've, I've lost um, jobs. And uh, while it was excruciating at the time to experience, it was turned out in retrospect to also be an opportunity that called up, you know, my reserves and my inventiveness yeah. and uh, found new ways to, to um, earn income. Um, but the, the yeah. activities that we take now as individuals is what's going to set us up for those, uh, for that future. So, you know, I, I guess yeah. I would also say to all of the students, how you use your time right now is absolutely critical to how you are going to be set up um, for future mm -hmm. opportunities. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you that now is such a good time to try to be productive and work on things that can make you a more robust person and, and bring in new skills. Uh, there's very few opportunities like this if you can look, view it as an opportunity to uh, really grow your skill set and learn new things. And that actually leads me right into the last thing I wanted to ask you today. Um, there are, as you mentioned, a lot of folks who are dealing with economic hardship because of such a downsizing in business and uh, what, what looks like will be a recession in the private sector. Um, so for those who are facing, you know, questions about their work or maybe have found themselves unemployed in this time, what would your advice be um, through obviously the objectivist lens 
to those who are looking at uncertain times, uncertain types of work. I know Ayn Rand has, has spoken before on taking whatever job you can get and taking what you can from it. Um, what would your advice be to those folks in that position? Uh, I would say that there are, you know, there's going to be a huge shakeup. Um, there are industries that are going to be doing better. And, um, you know, right now, the, the uh, grocery stores, um, the food delivery, they can hardly keep up with, um, with demand. They're, you know, they are hiring. And um, there are other industries that, that, that are hiring. One of the uh, things that, that um, was uh, interesting, maybe should not have been that unexpected, was that after the virus came out of um, Wuhan, out of these wet markets where all of these beasts were being, you know, butchered under unsanitary conditions, the yeah. uh, Chinese communist government kind of cracked down on that and said, you know, we've got to modernize, we've got to, uh, to bring all of these um, activities up to a, a more modernized level. Mm-hmm. You have to first of all ask yourself, what was it about the communist economy that meant that they were still having these very primitive you know, yes. uh, kinds of markets. I mean, we, we, we here in the United States have these little markets uh, as, a, as a luxury, but um, yeah. that's not primarily how we feed the nation. So, um, so as a result, it, it's American, uh, you know, kinds of conveyor belts and food processing equipment that's being um, imported and that is growing, and which is another reason why it's important for us to keep our trade free. And, and not mm-hmm. to be engaged in, 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 a, in a tariff war right in the middle of all yes. of this, uh, to let the market do its work. Um, but then I would just also say, you know, you're always in a context. So whether you are at a job and you're worried, you're like, gosh, shock is coming, and um, they're gonna make cuts. I mean, this is your chance to shine like no, mm-hmm. no other. You know, because there are going to be other people that are not going to handle prices well. I, I know I saw this. Uh, I had my house burned down, you know, and um, it was really hard. I had a full-time job at the time, and I was juggling a lot of things. Um, and uh, our, our, our community was devastated, you know. There were yeah. just a, so many of my neighbors also lost my home. But it was really interesting to see how different uh, people reacted. And I guess I would also say any bad situation can always be made worse. So, um, you know, as you're thinking about how you're using your time, um, use it to make your mind stronger. You know, I've Mm -hmm. also known people that spent all of their time working on just how to make their bodies stronger, how to to make their Mm -hmm. outsides look better. But, uh, and they looked like big, strong people on the outside, but they were really kind of couch potatoes mentally because they just mm. didn't, you know, exercise their, their mind. Maybe they didn't have the yeah. curiosity. But, you know, for some of us, it's an effort to go to a gym. Well, for some of us, it may be an effort <laughs> to read books or listen to them on, you know, Audible or, uh, you know, to, to make those choices. Y- yeah. These are not, you know, they're skills and you have to develop those skills. And if you develop mm-hmm. them and you act upon them after, again and again and again, they will become your character and ultimately they will become your destiny. Yeah, that's, that's inspirational. And I think this is a time that can be inspiring. Um, I was just chatting with my dad on the phone the other day 
And I was like, hey, you know, what did you do when, when it was 2008 and stuff was looking pretty scary like this? And he said, I wasn't scared because I know that there is always a place in a free market for people who are willing to work and who are willing to hustle and get creative. And he said, I didn't know if I would keep my job, but I knew that I would still be able to put food on the table because I'm willing to do that. And I think that's, that's an inspiring message and it, it fits right in line with what we're talking about. And I think what Ayn Rand really believed, which was that, you know, individuals who are looking out for themselves and who are looking out for their families are actually a very, very good thing for the whole and for the economy and for others even because they're creating things and they're finding things that people need. So that's, um, that's all of the questions that I had for you. But I, I just really appreciate you kind of sharing with us as the, the resident expert on objectivism and on Ayn Rand and her work that, um, you know, this doesn't have to be a depressing, despairing time. It, it absolutely doesn't. I mean, we, we can't stick our heads in the sand and say that these mm -hmm. things aren't happening and that there isn't suffering. Um, but we can also learn tremendous lessons about the limitations of central planning uh, and the, uh, the, the consequences of, of government mm -hmm. intervention and also the, the power and magnificence of, of the individual um, and his ability to rise above any circumstance and choose his attitude uh, in, in any set of um, adverse circumstances. So um, thank you very much for joining us today, Emma. And, of course. Uh, and thank you for all of the wonderful work that you're doing. And please give my regards to all of the team at Yale. We love you guys. And we of can't course. wait to see you in August. But yes, it's gonna be great. We'll all be out of uh, quarantine and ready to have fun. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Absolutely.